23. Dimension Jump. Original air date, 14th of March, 1991. Hello and welcome to Scuttercast number 23. This week I'm joined by Nick. Hello. And Anthony. Hello. This week we'll be reviewing the episode Dimension Jump after a quick synopsis from Nick. This episode starts with young Rimmer getting told by his mum that he's going to be held back a year at school. Next, we see a parallel universe where Rimmer is a test pilot in the Space Corps, Commander Ace Rimmer. His latest mission is to test a prototype spacecraft that can jump dimensions. On the first flight, he jumps into Red Dwarf's dimension and crashes into Starbug, which crash lands on a water planet. Because Ace Rimmer caused a crash, he follows Starbug down to help, where he come across his counterpart, Rimmer. Despite Ace Rimmer having a broken arm, he and Dave set off outside to fix the stricken Starbug. When they return inside, the crew think he's an exceptional person, except Rimmer, who resents Ace Rimmer for getting all the good luck in his dimension. But Ace Rimmer confides in Dave that it was him who got held back a year and not the Rimmer we know. Back on Red Dwarf, Ace Rimmer patches up Cat's injuries with microsurgery and then announces to Lister that he's off to explore the other dimensions because he can't stand being near Rimmer. Right, thank you very much, Nick. Just before we get started on the episode review, Anthony wanted to say a few words. Yeah, um, I've got to start with a couple of apologies, handful of apologies for um, the last episode we did. Um, first off, I've got to apologise to the Denim Cowboy because uh, the episode before that, um, it sounded like I was calling him a stalker. I was talking about a conversation I had with him on Skype and then said, right, speaking of stalkers, blah, blah, blah. And there's actually a chunk of dialogue that was cut out and it wasn't until listening back I thought, oh, that sounds like I've just called <laughs> him a stalker. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've apologised to him via email and uh, we've spoke on Skype and what have you. Uh, but I forgot to mention it last episode and it was actually for the episode before that. So, um, yeah, I, I apologise there to the denim cowboy. Um also, uh, the last episode, I've got to apologise because I made a massive, massive mistake, a big error, and I've been eating humble pie ever since. Um, I downloaded it on the Thursday when it went up, listened to it on the Friday morning because um, I, I like to listen just to see what's kept in. I'm not involved in the editing process. It's nice to hear what's kept in, what's cut out. And I'm sat listening to it at work and I thought, Oh, crap, I've just called Paul Jack- uh, Paul Jackson. I've just called him Peter Jackson. And then I did it again. And basically, I repeatedly referred to Paul Jackson as Peter Jackson. And the only explanation I can give for this is that uh, I've, been, I've been recovering from a cold. And that's all I can put it down to, a bit of a... <laughs> Any excuse. A, a brain turd, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, we've had, a, we've had a couple of emails about that. Uh, we've had uh, Fee3PO, she got in touch with us straight away and then we had one from Matt as well so I'm feeling stupid about that it anybody that was listening it isn't Peter Jackson it was Paul Jackson and it's just me uh, getting things wrong um and then there was something else as well Uh, Barry had left a comment on the Scuttercast Podbean site and it was for episode 13 how much longer do I have to watch this space for and there was a bit of emailing back and forth and we scratched his heads and thought what does he mean and 
uh, listen back to the episode. I think you listened back to it, didn't you, Darren? Um, um, no, it was actually Nick that forwarded it through. He went, oh, this is what it means. And I, I just had a hangover. over, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, basically, it's, uh, when we were, it's when we'd just gone on to fortnightly with the podcast. And yep. we said, those of you that are wanting a weekly podcast, um, bear with us and keep an eye on it and watch this space because we'd got something that was on the cards. Uh, well, Barry, you can stop watching. Uh, that what we were planning to do didn't actually uh, uh, come off. And so, uh, yeah, you can stop watching now. Sorry about that. We're going to keep it fortnightly. Yeah, we were <laughs> going to take it weekly because uh, we'd got the editing skills down and managed to do it quite quick. But um, with everybody else's commitments, it, it's really hard to get four members on a fortnightly basis, never mind on a weekly basis. So uh, we're leaving it as fortnightly. The first scene starts, and as Nick mentioned in the synopsis, you've got Arnold Rimmer as a young kid, and he's hanging upside down from a tree. And he looks to be in his full school outfit. He looks, what, eight, nine? And he's got bonehead root on the back of his blazer in what looks like chalk. Yeah, well, this is, uh, before the, we cut to this shot, we've got um, a model shot of the dome yeah. on Aya. And I don't know if you're aware, Rimmer's not actually uh, from Earth, he's actually from Io. And so you've got this dome shot of uh, basically a desolate, dark uh, moon. Yeah. And um, then it cuts to this uh, shot of him hanging upside down from the tree. And it, they don't look like it doesn't look like the same place to me. It, I find it difficult to associate the shot of Arnold hanging upside down from a tree as being inside this dome from the first model. Lovely model, but it doesn't seem to link to um, what was filmed, uh, obviously under a blue sky. Well, yes. a grey grey sky. Yeah. So where do you learn that Rimmer's from? I O not. Is that something from the books again? Or it that it is originally from the books. It's mentioned, um, we find out about it here. Uh, he mentions his school that he went to as being IO, and also there's this initial uh, model of the dome on IO. Okay, cool. His mum asks what he's doing up in the tree, and his brothers, Howard and Frank, were suggesting that they didn't have a swing, so they made one out of Rimmer. His mum wants to keep him back because... They want him to be a test pilot in the Space Corps, like his brother John. Is this the only time we hear about his brother John? Because uh, I know Howard and Frank are mentioned quite a lot. Well, I'm just looking now. I've got it. Uh, I've done a Google search. Yeah. And on redwarf.wikia.com. Yeah. Under the Arnold Rimmer section, it says that there's John Rimmer, brother, Frank Rimmer, brother, Howard Rimmer, brother. Right. Uh, okay. Must just be Howard and John. Just, yeah, that's just a very, very quick Google search. I've not really looked looked in depth into it but that's coming up on the uh, reddwarfwikia.com right okay fantastic the next scene starts and it's 20 years later Ace is in what looks like one of Cap's sharp suits uh, just like very gold and a very gold helmet he lands on the space core test base in Mimus on Saturn he's kind of walking down the corridor and everybody's clapping him and he takes off his glasses, and it's it's Chris Barry uh, playing Ace Rimmer. He bumps into a another Dave Lister uh, called Spanners, and you find out it's another version of Lister. Apart from he's got a tash, and he's got, um, I don't know if you noticed or not, you've got to look quite carefully. He's actually got the Star Trek-style sideburns. Never noticed Star- that one. Star Trek-style? Yeah, you know how they come down? It's kind of the um, very V-shaped. No, I've never noticed that. 
Notice how clean and tidy and intelligent they look. Completely different. I know. Um, That's quite amusing. <laughs> but, I mean, this. I think this episode just goes to show how, how good actors they all are. Because the, you do believe they are totally, totally different people in this. I mean, Rimmer going from Rimmer to Ace Rimmer. It's just massive, massive transformation. Mm. The thing with Chris Barry, though, is... Um, you know, like with me squared, and he played the same character but very subtly different. Yeah. You know the the original version, and then the the new hologram version of himself. Yeah. And um, I think I preferred the acting in that one because it's such a subtle difference between the two. Yeah, understood. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's it's a totally totally different personality, isn't it? That he's playing. And at the end of the day, we prefer our Arnold Judas Rimmer, don't we? Yes. <laughs> But he's, he's having a conversation with Spanners or Lister, and he's asking if he's going to the official welcome back um, meal with 21 Guns Loot and everything. He's like, no, I'm going to turn down the hero's welcome, and I'll be in the mess with the real men um, at 1700. And he walks down the corridor, and I think this is the first mention of the water guy. He then walks down the corridor and bumps into the cat, or the padre, and they have a little talk about Tommy, who's a little kid who's who's basically going to pull through because Rimmer was sat next to him day after day, night after night, holding his hand and reading him stories. And I think what they're just trying to do is big up what kind of a character Ace Rimmer is and how he's, how he's so different from Rimmer himself. And he goes down the corridor and again, the cat says, what a guy. Right, th- th- this is one of the things I don't like with this episode. Okay. Um, I can I understand Lister being there. Yeah. Um, uh, to a degree, I can understand some of the other characters coming up being there. Um, to a degree, a lesser degree than Lister. Yeah. But why would the cat be there? He's, he's not even human. Yeah, but is it is it is it meant to be the cat, or is it meant to be Danny John Jules it, playing a character because they had a limited yeah, budget? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to. It's been done for comic effect to get them there, but it, to me, it doesn't work. It works having Lister there. I can see to a degree why you might have um, Crichton there because, I mean, we've already seen Robert Llewellyn's face as the creator of the uh, Diva droid. So he is a human of that time period, Um, although we did debate whether he might be a few thousand years older, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. uh, This time period. Uh, I can understand to a degree um, Holly being there, you know, Although it still doesn't really make sense, but it's just me being me being. I I don't think it's meant to be. I think from a from a plot point, I think you have to have Lister and you have to have Rimmer. I yeah. think the cat, or I should say, Danny John Jules, is just playing a character as well yeah. as Robert Llewellyn and as well as Hattie. I don't think yeah. they're meant to be um, the alternative universe version of these people. Well, I'd, I'd read online as well, and I've. I've Wish I'd make note of where I actually picked these up on because it's only there was only one site that I've uh, read this on. I think it might have been actually Wikipedia itself. Okay, that the cat was originally going to play a janitor mopping the floor. Okay, and that they changed it because basically they didn't want to be reinforcing any sort of racist stereotypes, so right. they, okay. um, they, they changed it to the um, uh, to the padre, the parson, or yeah, whatever. Sure. Well, Okay. 
cuts the outer office of uh, some superior office. Ace strides in and he greets the secretary, which is Melly, which is um, played by Hattie Heridge. She does look a lot like Holly, but with her hair a little bit curly and stuff. I mean, you've made a note on here again, haven't you, Andy? It's I've already covered all the notes, I think, round here. Basically, I'm, uh, why would the computer's face from a parallel dimension be here in human form? Yeah. But like you say, I think it's just the actor actress, slash actress playing somebody else. Yeah, well, I mean... I, uh, what but I, it's, it's, it's sort of off-putting. Uh, i tell you one thing that I did notice, though. The way they've got her makeup, don't her face look more pointed? Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an observation what? I'd made. It looks more pointed, and her nose and her eyes just looks more sharp. It's like the uh, the old cartoon caricatures of Thatcher, you know, with the long pointed nose. <laughs> I think, I mean, j- just as we've been going through this bit, I think because um, Ace Rimmer and Dave Lister Spanners are both quite obviously Lister and Rimmer, um, the other three, if you if you look at them, as you've just pointed out there, they've tried to disguise Holly by totally changing her hair, t- changing her facial look. Um, they've, they've basically... Giving her a body. Yeah. Uh, they've basically masked... Did, did they add any prosthetics to her nose? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like with, with Danny, if you go back and look at that outfit, um, it practically covers everything. He, he's got yeah. glasses on, he's got the hat, and it doesn't look anything like the cat. And I think... It's- Anybody it's, who didn't I know. think it, with with me, it's just uh, one of those things that just takes you out of it a little bit. You know, um, you, you you can see the believability of why Lister would be there, and you think, oh yeah, I can I can see why that is. And then to bring in the same actors playing somebody else altogether, it sort of makes you think, oh hang on, you, you start thinking about are they supposed to be? Well, hang on, how can that be the cat? You know, he's not even human and. Uh, like I say, it just takes you out of the moment rather than just flowing along, but. At the same time, you you want to see yeah, your favourite yeah. characters and your favourite actors and actresses on screen. So, yeah, I can I can see it from one sense, but there's another another side of me doesn't like it. And don't forget, I'm I'm craving nicotine still. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll teach you to quit. <laughs> I've still not done the show notes for episode twenty two yet. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so Ace is in the office with Melly. And a little bit of a conversation goes on. And she, basically, the the re-emphasizing this is, is he's, every woman wants him, every man wants to be him, if you know what I mean. She says to him, says, what are you doing for lunchtime? He says, I'm not sure. He says, well, if you're interested, I'll be in my quarter covered in maple syrup. He says, I'm sorry, Melly, I don't fraternise with the staff. He says, I resign. He says, okay, I'll be there at 1300. <laughs> Which I thought was very, I, I don't know. What, what do you think they were going for? Like the old 1950s kind of cheesemonger style? I don't know. I think I personally would have rather gone with Bongo. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the way your bread's bud, <laughs> you're obviously butter side down. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, speaking about Bongo, he walks into Bongo's office and it's played by Robert Llewellyn. Again, you see, I think if you'd watched Red Dwarf for the very first time and this was the only episode you'd have watched, I don't think you'd have picked up that Danny, Hattie and um, Robert were main characters. No, definitely not. I think the, they've grown enough makeup and enough different from the main characters that we normally see 
to not instantly realise. But anyway, a <laughs> couple of quality lines. Um, he walks in, he goes, Bongo goes, ah, oh, you're back. He says, yep, afraid so. He says, ah, thought you might be. Rubber shares went up this morning. Which <laughs> 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 made me laugh. Um, he then explains about dimension theory of reality and how there's an infinite number of parallel universes where every possibility exists. And he explains there's a one-way mission. And he says, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a test pilot. I'm going to do it. It's nice to see that Robert Llewellyn's um, job is still actually the same, whether he's in the Crichton character or not, uh, explaining all the science behind <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> then, again, you got Bongo saying, he says to him, if you're interested, I'll be in my quarters at lunchtime covered in Taramis Lada. Uh, he says to him, I didn't realise your bread was buttered that side up, Bongo. He says, it isn't. I've been happily married for 35 years, but it's just a chap like you can turn a guy's head. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the way he's picking his pen up and scribbling away. <laughs> <laughs> they pick up on that on the commentary as well. Just the way he Robert Llewellyn plays that. Yeah, <laughs> and just the classic line of "I'm sorry, Bongo, lunch is on Melly." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, this is a bit that he referred to. He says, "Would it make a difference if it was hummus?" <laughs> and just gets his head back into his paper. <laughs> <laughs> and he then says no sorry I'm strictly butter side up and you get the what a guy line again yeah uh, he walks out of the office he goes understood uh, leave uh, Ace leaves the office is uh, what a guy uh, one of the things I noticed is the uh, Bongo's nameplate on his desk right okay and it's um, it basically reads Admiral Sir James Tranter Admiral of the Fleet and I'm wondering if there's any relative of Pete Tranter Oh, Pete Tranter's sister, you know, from the um, ah, Sirens episode. Right. Okay. Uh, just seemed unusual to me that it's the uh, same surname, you know, Tranter. Yeah, possibly. So I, I, did, I, I must have spent a good half hour searching through and I, I can't find anything. I just wondered if it might be somebody um, perhaps uh, Rob and Doug knew from, you know, that they went to college with or uni or something. Um, I, I thought there'd got to be some sort of Tranter connection, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't find one so if anybody knows drop us an email yeah um yeah. let us know about that uh, like i say i did a bit of searching myself it just seemed <laughs> i tell you what it is it's because i've uncovered nothing and i spent so long looking for it <laughs> <laughs> I, I convinced myself there would be something there <laughs> the next scene starts and they're in the prototype hangar again it's the old blue screen city you've got bongo spanners melly and the padre uh, stood there to wave him off ace gets into his test ship all systems check uh, another classic line he says let's get this kite into the big black mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know i just love the right I, I love ace's writing i don't know if it's somebody who's just been because if you ever go back to like the old cheesy film in fact right i was watching um, a star trek episode the other day, and it was the one where um, Picard goes into the Hollow Suite and his old Dixie, the uh, uh, like a private detective, and they're all talking with the very same cheesy lines. So I just wonder if it's based on like old nineteen forties, nineteen fifties type films. Oh, like the film noir mm. stuff. It, it's um, it is it's it's very tongue in cheek hero talk, isn't it? Yeah. I can imagine it from. Um, you know, the old, you know, 40s and 50s Flash Gordon and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. And it's done very... The thing is, it's it's done funny as well. You yeah. know, 
that let's get this kite into the big black is a funny line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, in, you know it, I, I, I can't put my finger on why that line is funny compared to, let's say, Flash Gordon saying it and it being corny. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's just the facial reactions and everything, but it's just so, I don't know. Um, but again, then you see the he turns to the side and said, smoke me a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. And again, it, it <laughs> you get any Joe <laughs> blog saying that, and it sounds terrible. <laughs> Comes out of ear's mouth, and it sounds fantastic. You you want to, don't you, Darren? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the ship takes off, and it's very very much Thunderbirds, isn't it? I, mean, I know it's been done with models and stuff, but it just reminded me of um, Thunderbirds that took off. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, this. I'm going to be picky here, though. Okay. Um, I love the models in this episode. We've had the dome, IO dome, um, the Mimus test base, uh, this Ace Rimmer's ship, and um, the, I mean, this was originally going to be one of the series, the leader for this series, but it got moved back because of the Gulf War. Right. Okay. Um, I'm ass- I'm assuming it was you know because of Rimmer being in the Marines and a test pilot and a you know that sort of a bloke it got moved back yeah um and there's one thing that just irritates me with this one and that's the the ship ace is sat in it tilts back that's right uh, yeah. to, i don't know uh, a 35 degree angle something like that uh, so it's fate ready just to blast off into space then the camera cuts to inside the cockpit and everything's level <laughs> all the hand railings behind him for the uh, the outside of the hangar are all at 90 degrees to his cockpit and it just knocked me slightly but that's just me being picky and lacking in nicotine and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a problematic couple of episodes methinks <laughs> yes <laughs> and me being picky they're yeah. all stood in the hangar waving this spaceship off that takes off <laughs> opens the hangar's door well they're all just going to get sucked out into space aren't they that's a valid point Unless it's like the, you know, the Star Wars Force Unleashed, it shows that it's got a force shield over every... That's a valid point as well. Yeah, you see, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts, and they're in our reality. The bunk room is dark, and Crichton's there with a fishing hat on, and net in his hand, and they're in the sleeping quarters. Uh, Lister's sneaking out of his bunk and grabs his rod out of the shower. And um, just as they're sneaking out of the room, Lister knocks over something and wakes Rimmer. Rimmer's saying, what are you doing? He says, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. We're just going to the cinema to watch Jaws. <laughs> the cat walks in in his fishing gear. Oh, well, and uh, did you notice he had the fish earrings on, the, one, the ones that give Crichton in the last day? He's <laughs> took them back, has he? <laughs> yeah. They all deny that they're going on a fishing holiday. Um, they say, no, 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 Rimmer, we're just um, j- just doing whatever. And they've even left him a note. It says, dear Rimmer, we have gone on a fishing holiday to the ocean planet we passed two days ago. We tried to wake you, but couldn't. See you in three weeks, LK and C. Because he just had exactly the same conversation. He says, you're going fishing, aren't you? You're going fishing on that ocean planet we passed two days ago. <laughs> and they all deny it. It is a classic scene, isn't it, this one? And I love the bit where he turns around and he just says, why don't you just tell me we've gone without you because we don't like you? Yeah. And Kat says, see, he told you that's what we should have said. Yeah. 
Um, they explained that there was no fish on the planet, and that's why they didn't want to invite Rimmer. Lister then reminisces about how he used to go condom fishing in the canal, and once he caught a two-pound black rib nobbler. <laughs> he was like that big and doing the old fishing thing. <laughs> Rimmer again does the whole woe is me and nobody likes me and everybody else had the good breaks and he hasn't. So they decide to invite him along. He goes, Holly, because uh, he wants a change of clothes, uh, looks around the screen. Holly's got the old fishing hat on. It's like, who woke him? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely brilliant, this scene. is. It's got to be... I, I don't, it, well, I'm, I'm, I'd begrudge saying it's my favourite scene in Red any Red Dwarf, because I know I've said that before, but it's it's got to be up there with them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the classics. It really is. And it's one of these that... You know the scene, but you sometimes you think, oh, hang on, which episode is that one from? Yeah, uh, yeah. So when this one came on, you know, it was I'd forgotten it was in the Dimension Jump episode. So sat watching it, and this come on, it was oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's that's why I wrote no notes for this actual scene. <laughs> I must have watched it three or four times and just watched it and smiled and not wrote anything down. <laughs> The next scene starts and Rimmer and Crichton are in the starboard cockpit. Rimmer is trying to get him to slow down. He's like, mind that star. He says, uh, but sir, it's um, over two light years away. He says, mind that planet. He says, but sir, that's the planet we're heading for. <laughs> and basically he's going through, well, maybe you should do this. Uh, I've already done it, sir. Maybe you should do that. I've already done it, sir. And it's like, you know, Crichton, you're a git. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's Rimmer just trying to be Rimmer and be in charge of something. I, I don't know. I mean, do you think this goes back to the fact that um, Rimmer taught Crichton how to drive? We're back in uh, backwards, I think it was, wasn't it? I think it's partly that and partly just he he's always enjoyed talking down to people. Yeah. You know, the, the any authority he's got, and Crichton is one of the people he can talk down to that actually listens. Yeah, and won't answer back. So talking down to him and he's actually not doing anything wrong just seems to wind him up. And I mean, he even goes through to the others, don't he, in the back, and he just sits to Cat and Lister and says, I hate front seat drivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're in the back, and you got Lister and the Cat, and they're both absolutely good that Rimmer's come with them, because they were they were just planning and really enjoying themselves and having some time away from him, to be honest. Even to the point of calling him Captain Yawn. Yeah. <laughs> Rimmer comes into the back and he's all happy and jolly. He's like, come on, lads, we're on holiday. Let's have some music. I brought some CDs with me. He says, how about Reggie Wilson plays the Lift Music Classics? <laughs> <laughs> what about the sound of the supermarket? 20 shopping grids. <laughs> this is Hammond Organ CD collection, isn't That's it? That's right, yeah. <laughs> God, you'd want to kill yourself, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just? Uh, I love the way Cat's talking to Lister before he walks through and he's saying, um, you know, you, you've got to, how does he word it? He's, he's basically telling Lister what he should say to Rimmer. Rimmer. He yeah. says, uh, well, he basically finishes off with saying, well, that's what I'd say. And then he walks through and goes, hi, buddy. <laughs> he's just yeah. Totally changes his tune, which, uh, you know, we know. I mean, he did it in the last scene. We know that he's not frightened to actually say these things to his face, but the way it's worded just for this scene, for the comedy effect, it does crack me up. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> gross and balls, man, just telling what you really think. Yeah. And then he comes and he's like, hi, buddy. <laughs> Rimmer then decides he's, let's start on the campfire songs. It starts with Kumbaya. <laughs> and the look on their two faces, just like, oh, kill me. Holly comes on the screen and she's like, purple alert, purple alert. 
I'm like, but what, what do you mean? It's like, well, it's not quite as bad as a red alert, but it's slightly worse than a blue alert. It's kind of like a mauve alert, but I just didn't want to say mauve alert. She says there's some kind of disturbance in the time fabric continuum. At least I presume what that's where it is. It's certainly got all the signs. There's a big wibbly wobbly swirly thing that's heading right for us. <laughs> that wibbly wob that description of big wibbly wobbly swirly thing just reminded me of Doctor Who. Really? No, when he yeah, he describes time as a big wibbly wobbly swirly ball of time, you know, ball of string, don't he? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, anyway, anyway, sorry, uh, off track. <laughs> <laughs> and basically you've got this uh, this dimension all opening and it's Ace's ship coming out of it. I assume that Ace can only target in on other versions of himself. I can only assume as well for the for the storyline and what we've seen in the future that it's himself in that point in time. So let's say for example Ace is 30, he's always going to find out the 30-year-old Ace. Anyway, the dimension ship com- comes out and they're assuming crash positions. And uh, Lister's got them re- reading the in-flight magazine and he's like, if you don't tense up, it's not going to hurt as much. But one thing I was thinking here, there's two there's two chairs in the cockpit with obviously full safety harness and everything. Instead of using the little plastic chairs around the back, why doesn't somebody go and jump in one of those? I'm sure it's going to take a lot less beating. I don't know, um, it's at the front of the ship though, isn't it? That's a valid point, yeah. <laughs> And why is Rimmer worried about crashing? It's like, why is he worried about the monsters that come across? Why? He can't get touched. Not yet, I suppose. When well, he, no. When he gets his hard light be in Legion, he, he can get touched. But yeah, I agree with you in this. Is, um, so what? If he crashes, <laughs> he'll probably yeah. fly through. <laughs> you see Starbucks skimming through the sea and he hits the rock. I don't know about you, but I thought this, this model shot looked absolutely fantastic. It, it looked very believable, to be honest. It is. It goes to a close-up as the like the cockpit hangs over the edge of the, you know, it looks like a sheer drop, don't it? Yeah. And yeah, um, the the commentary they actually picked up on this in the commentary, and I'm sure one of them said that it's uh, it was filmed in the puddle around the back of the Shepperton Studios. Really? Uh, if it is, if it is genuinely a puddle around the back of Shepperton Studios, then you know, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, hats off uh, to you guys. Well, I find it hard to believe that it is actually a puddle. You think they'd just yeah, cause they'd be able to get some water into the uh, room themselves, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's, like it's very effective. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose they could have put that in as a plot point, but I sp- you see, what you get on a lot of films is I, th- I can't remember what I was watching the other day. I think it was an old Superman. Uh, sorry, I know, I know, it's been Christmas, so there's been a load on, and I was watching like Superman one. And you know where the dam breaks and the water comes flooding through? You can yeah. tell that's yep. on a model because the size of the waves are about 30 foot long and it just doesn't look yeah. right. Where with this, the, the actual waves looked in proportion the, to start the, cam- the camera seems to cut away before you get the big droplets of water. That One of the things I noticed with it is um, if they'd have kept it, the camera from that angle for much longer, you'd have actually realised that these are... Um, you know, it's a smaller model, you know, and yeah, them yeah. drops of water are actually not drop, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not to scale for what the ship is. Um, but So, yeah, I think they, they actually cut away to a different angle to show a close-up of the cockpit and what have you. The way it's done, fan, yeah, the, the model work in this whole episode, really, really. Yeah, yeah agree. You know, second to none. The next scene starts, and basically they're all over the place. They have crash-landed. <laughs> Graham goes into the back and says, is everybody okay? <laughs> Rima jumps up like, yep, I'm fine. 
<laughs> that was brilliant. And the cat's trapped his leg, and he, he's like, look, look at me. He says, red with apricot and bleeding unfashionable colour. Because <laughs> he's not bothered about a broken leg or anything. He's just... Well, it's just, there is mess to be soup. <laughs> Alyssa says to him, he says, is anything broken? He says, yeah, all the stitching's come away and the lining's ripped. <laughs> Somebody please get me a tailor. It must be in a massive amount of pain, though. Crichton says that they need to get it cleaned up before he gets gangrene. Uh, this is where the cat says, oh, gangrene, gangrene? Yeah, I can make that word. Apricorn green. Crichton then snaps his bone back into place with no anaesthetic. And he, he does scream at the top of his head. And I can't remember what he comes out with, but he's reading something out of the in-flight magazine. It's the in-flight magazine, yeah. He's, uh, have you done my leg yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that, did that hurt? Yeah. No, it's reading the article. Have you done my leg yet? Yeah. Rimmer asks um, Holly for a damage report. And she appears on the screen on like a 45 degree angle. She says, it doesn't look good. We've lost the port engines, the starboard engines packed up, the fuel line severed, we're taking a water through the hull. We've lost the landing jets, half the electrics are out, and the elastic snapped on the furry dice. <laughs> what does this mean in real terms? Well, it means you've got a more tasteful cockpit. <laughs> but unless you fix the starboard engine in the next 40 minutes, we're going to start sinking. Which, thinking back now, unless she's on about the tide coming in or something, but they're actually bedded out on a rock, aren't they? So they're not going to start sinking unless the rock's going to fall apart or... I don't know. Unless the water mm-hmm. that's coming in is going to pull it. Possibly, yeah. yeah. We're over-analysing again. <laughs> Lister offered to go out and fix the engine, but he doesn't have a clue. I mean, he's only a third technician. Crichton says that there's a 40-knot gale blowing outside and only a fool or a hero would be willing to do it. Then, obviously, it cuts to the next scene. <laughs> You've got Ace. Yeah, cue, cue the Top Gun music. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was, wasn't it? Um, yes. It was Top Gun enough to be recognised as Top Gun, but I think for copyright reasons, it was just enough changed, if that makes sense. Possibly. I'm not going to say one way or the other. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to come on and apologise next week. Ah, but it was. <laughs> okay. Liz is in the cockpit. He's he's going to go and say sorry, as it's only polite. The computer doesn't want want him to go and suggests that it's a suicide mission. She says, Ace, I love you. Don't go. (laughs) He's like, stiff up a modem, girl. (laughs) Smoke me a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. (laughs) Which, again, stiff up a modem back then is, I guess, when modems would have started being commercially available, won't they? Um, Early 90s. um, Not to me. Not mine last year. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think then probably fifty six k were coming out just yeah, in yeah. that era. That that's what I mean. They've been I becoming think. more public profile, kind of like Saddles, <laughs> who's known about them since the nine six hundred modems. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Sorry, just slightly. I'm I'm laughing, and I don't know what you've said. <laughs> <laughs> On a slight tangent, I was watching um, Hackers over Christmas. And it's the original Hackers, fantastic film. But they were mm. referring, they, they were looking at the lasses. Um, in fact, it was Angelina Jolie, isn't it? Uh, the yeah. short-haired lass. And they're looking at a laptop and it's like, wow, is that a 14.4K modem? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I know that's a hey, I, I still get impressed with war games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I trying to... Still trying to use my ring pull to get a free phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if you just mentioned this, actually. Um, 
I know some people have said that um, Ace's machine is for skipping dimensions and not yeah. actually a time travel device. Okay. And so they want to know why Ace has skipped forward three million years. Um, and I think from what I can gather, the, the dimension device homes in on your alter ego for that dimension. Yeah. Uh, presumably it goes to the alter ego of that dimension who is the same age that you are. Yeah, and so he has gone to Ace. Sorry, he's gone to Rimmer at the same age he currently is, which just happens to be Rimmer three million years into the future. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the explanation I've, I've I've seen that banded about online. That's how I've always assumed it worked as well. You know, it's yeah, never yeah. been a big sticking point for me, but I know quite a few people have. Um, been saying online in you know various places uh, and overanalyzing like we tend to yeah <laughs> we'd never do that <laughs> oh no <laughs> the next scene starts and they're back on starbug is walks in and he says names commander rimmer arnold rimmer friends call me ace i come from another dimension explain later but first of all let's get you out of this pit i think that Ace in this is very, very similar character to, um, is it Lord Flashheart from um, Black Hatter Goes Forth? Yes, yes, very similar. He's, um, it's sort of like a cross between, he's not quite as... Um, abrupt, I guess. Yeah, not quite as abrupt. I would say he's a cross between sort of James Bond and um, Lord Flashheart. Yeah, still a, a well-written character. Love him. Oh, yes, definitely. He looks at... Crichton, and he says, ah, oh, 4,000 mechanoid, salt of the space core. He looks around at Lister and says, ah, oh, spanners. And he says, oh, no, no, never mind, you remind me of somebody that I used to know. He looks down at the count and says, ah, oh, I love your Cuban heels. <laughs> Turns around to Holly. Uh, does he just say, I think he just says hello to her or something, doesn't he? And she just kind of faints off the screen. No, it says something like, who's that good-looking face on the screen or something? Yeah, it says something to those lines. <clears throat> That's when she goes, oh, and, and Polly and then stumbles sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, if memory serves me rightly, wasn't that her own um, doing? Uh, That's improvised, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, her improvisation. Ace explains to Rimmer of how they're both the same person and they're, they're from different realities. And there's some good split screening going on there. Oh, absolutely. Um, again, and just brilliant. Uh, they've really, really got the split screen down to a T. Yeah, um, I mean, some of the episodes, I mean, it, I know they're looking at a screen when they're doing all this, but it, it, hats off to them again. Uh, brilliant. Ace is going to go and fix the starboard engine, but he needs a volunteer. Uh, Lister obviously says, well, I've got nothing in my diary for this afternoon. Yeah, I'll help you. He says, hang on, you didn't give Arnie a chance to volunteer, which <laughs> is fine. But again, it, they've just had a conversation saying that Rimmer is actually dead. And he's like, oh, cause commiserations to you. Do you think they was hoping that Rimmer would say, "Oh, I'd volunteer, but I'm a hologram"? Maybe, maybe, but yeah, he, he, he can't lift Jack anyway, so he should have known better that Rimmer wouldn't have done it. But again, this was the just reiterating what a Weasley character that Rimmer is. <laughs> that was the word that was in my mind, Weasley character. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton asked for a private word with Ace, and he, he drags him into the cockpit. And he says, I can't help but notice, but your left arm is broken in three places and Crichton should go in his place. It suggests that the 4000 mechanoid isn't waterproof, uh, so he couldn't do it. 
and he couldn't go in his place. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, I haven't gone back and revisited it, but I'm pretty sure in Duck Soup, Crichton gets soaked. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a weird one, that. The, another thing as well is um, we've always assumed that Crichton is actually from Lister's future, you know, a yeah. couple hundred years or whatever. Um, the, the series 4000 Mechanoid is from... Um, a later period in history from the one that um, the Jupiter Minor, the Red Dwarf was, you know, the actual yeah, accident, yeah. have you? Um, but yeah, it just seems weird. He, he knows straight away that he's, ah, 4,000 mechanoid and he knows all his specs, knows he isn't waterproof and, you know, what have you. It seems to put List, it seems to put Crichton squarely in the same time period as Dave Lister and Arnold J. Rimmer. Yeah, true. Because, uh, well, the whole thing of the last day was he was due to expire. Yeah. So would that would make Crichton or Crichton's uh, model over three million years old. Hmm. It's a weird one, that. Yeah. Anyway, Ace doesn't want him to go, so just basically lays him out with one punch. Ace walks out of the cockpit and says that Crichton's taken a bit of a blow and then he's got to look after him. List is ready to go out and Ace is going out and he turns around to him and says, Smug me a kipper. Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> the look on Rimmer's face is kind of like, mm, well, no, I probably can't. It's just an instant dislike from the pair of them, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not just our Rimmer being, you know, arsey to Ace. It's Ace returning it just as much. He can't stand him either. They are very much chalk and cheese, though, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yes. The next scene starts, and it's quite a small scene, actually. You've got Ace and Lister outside. And they've obviously got a wind machine going. It looks very windy. There's water everywhere. Lister slips and falls down some railings on the side and he's hanging on for dear life. Ace puts down his arm for him to grab hold of and he pulls himself up. And Bri puts down the left arm, which Crichton mentioned earlier, that he's um, he's broken in three places. And as he's lifting lifting him up, you hear the cracking of his arm. Once he's pulled him up, he says, uh, Ace says, listen, I, I do apologize. I'm going to have to do something quite sissy now and black out. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, he blacks out then he gets him singing Rasta Billy Skank just to, just to get him going. Don't you think it's weird as well? Um, I would say considering blacking out as being a little sissy is actually a negative yeah. personality trait. You know, if you think that blacking out is sissy and, you know, that's a bad thing. And it's very much something that uh, our Arnold Judas Rimmer yeah. would consider, you know, Oh, he blacked out. That's sissy of him, you know, and what have you. And it just seems weird that Ace has got exactly the same sort of thoughts about blacking out, you know, that that's a little um, sissy. Yeah, I guess. I think from Ace's side, though, he's just kind of saying it's not a very manly thing of him to do, to, to feel pain. Mm, possibly. Mm. The next scene starts, and they're back inside cat is starting to really lose the plot you can just hear him muttering he's like paisley with stripes that's nice green anoraks with furry green collars they're great now i was thinking when i was writing this i'm sure when i was like seven or eight i'm sure i had like an anorak you know with a furry collar parkers parkers that's it it wasn't anoraks was it no (laughs) (laughs) same sort of thing yeah mine was mine were always blue though not green um, I had a green one and I had a blue one. But this is going back to when I was like seven or eight. But they were cool back then. Well, um, can you can you tell what the little buckle on the back of the hood was for? I've not. <laughs> no, I've no idea. 
They always had that little buckle, and then I've got no clue what it was for. <laughs> it's just something convenient for people to yank and <laughs> rip your head off. <laughs> and hang you up onto pegs with. <laughs> <laughs> um, Crichton turns around and says, oh dear sir, he's, he's delirious. He goes back to the cat and he's like, rubber trousers held down with bicycle clips. Wow. <laughs> Rimmer's just walking, basically stomping up and down. He absolutely hates Ace and he's suggesting that it's gay, basically. It's from now to the end of the episode, it's just many, many, many gay jokes. Ace and Lister come back in and they said, oh, they fixed it. And basically they're bigging each other up and say, oh, I don't know how you did that. Oh, I don't know how you did that. How did you manage to repair the starboard engine while hanging upside down? <laughs> the one thing I noticed is just that Lister does, he is wet, but not very wet. Yeah. Not the sort of wet that could damage mechanoids, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Just one of the criticisms. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I, I guess until they get out there, they don't actually know how wet it's going to be. <laughs> Rimmer comes out with one of his... With one of his gear jokes. He says, oh, now I know where I've seen you two. Weren't you the double action centerfold in July's issue of Big Boys in Boots? <laughs> Ace has given um, Lister the name of Skipper. <laughs> and Rimmer hates it. And again, just more and more and more gear jokes. <laughs> Am I the only one, though, who agrees with our Rimmer here? I can't stand Ace sometimes. He's too smug. And he is here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. He is very, very smug character. But I think he's an awesome character. I think he's a very, very well-written character. Ditto. Uh, and I think he's, he, I don't know, he's, he's the character that... I mean, if you if you look at the... Um, I, th- I think I'd be like Al Rimmer looking at him and thinking, oh, bog off your poser. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> making, <laughs> making subtle gay jokes about it. <laughs> Question, questioning his sexuality. Because <laughs> he never... Never bulls up himself. He's always bullying up other people. Yeah, he, he acted... Because um, i tell you what I thought in this. When he comes back in, after he's been outside and fixed Starboard Engine, he was very... Uh, Lister was acting very much like um, when Confidence was around and just yes. really, really yes. bigging him up. He, he was almost giddy. But yeah, that's quite a, quite a good observation, that. It's very... Um, it is very much like Lister when he's around Confidence. Yeah. He's just very... But again, it goes back to what Nick said. It, even though he's quite smug, he's always bigging up other people. Mm. Yeah, we we like Ace. Mm, we do. <laughs> not, not in that way, but, you know, we we like him as a character. <laughs> right, I'll send you a copy of Big Boys in Boots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the July edition, please. <laughs> <laughs> The next scene starts and they're back on the Red Dwarf. Cat is getting even more delirious. He's he's on the stretcher and he's been rushed down the corridor. And he's like, Brian nylon underwear, sock suspenders, suits with cardigans. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Cat's even more delirious. Crichton suggests that he may have to lose the leg because the operation is above his knowledge. The cat's like, lose my leg? Says, that's not good. None of my suits will fit. Um, so he, seems, he, he seems to have these flashes of lucidity, you know, where yeah. he's yeah, lucid thought, and that's one of them, isn't it? He just sort of brings him round the thought of losing his leg, and it's like, but but none of my suits will fit. <laughs> it's really distraught before drifting back off into delirious. Yeah, <laughs> they're going down the corridor, and Ace is like, basically, he's been he's been trained basic medical procedures uh, from the space corps. 
uh, which just really gets Rimmer's back up. He can't stand the fact that he's a medical doctor as well. The next scene starts and Lister walks into the bunk room and he just ha- looks absolutely shattered. He walks in and says Ace has been up for 36 hours and he's still laughing and joking. What a guy. <laughs> Rimmer suggests that he hates Ace because he's had all the lucky breaks. He's probably brown-tongued his way up the ranks and done this and done that and basically just, just really had an easy life. He suggests to Lister that wouldn't he be upset if, if he knew that another version of himself was doing really good? And he wasn't bothered about this because obviously Spanners was, he finds out that he was actually married to Christine Kachansky and had the twin boys, Jim and Bexley. So he was absolutely made up for him. Ace calls Skipper out to the corridor. <laughs> Rimmer just makes a little snide comment giving it, go on, he's probably chosen a ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes out and he's doing the old, um, like in the Rambo one, he's stitching up his arm. I tell you what, those effects look really good. You know, when it looked pretty realistic when he was stitching up his arm, didn't you think? Um, no. <laughs> Not realistic? Can't remember? I can remember because I read it before I watched it, but it didn't look bad. I, I don't think it was quite uh, first blood, but it, it looked pretty good. He never emptied a bullet gunpowder into his wound and then set fire to no. it to cauterise it to nothing, so... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I've, 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 seen, I've seen tougher. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Ace explains that the only difference between him and Rimmer was that Ace got kept back a year. Now, I can understand that from a plot point, but how the hell does he know? He's not spent enough time with Rimmer to find out whereabouts their life changed. Correct, I agree. Because they both could have been kept back a year and our Rimmer could have been could have failed Space Corps and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he could have so. wrote, I'm a fish, or, you know. But yeah, I just found that a little bit strange. He suddenly, I mean, we've got a point in time, so we can find that the fact that the it's only been 36 hours. Rimmer's obviously had nothing to do with him. Um, Ace has been in the operating theatre, and he's had absolutely no chance whatsoever to get to know him, unless he's looked through Rimmer's personal record or something, I don't know. Well, we've only watched it for about 27 minutes, and we know that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he slipped the DVD in and had a look. <laughs> he got a copy of the script and everything. <laughs> anyway, Ace is walking down the hallway and Rimmer has set up a booby trap for him. He's basically a net with a load of um it just looks like a load of cargo stuff, doesn't it? Just above it's, the doorway. It's kippers. Oh, it's kippers. Okay. That's that Hennessy Lalline house house smoky Megan Kipper. Oh, it's a okay. it's a netting full of kippers. And originally they were gonna fall onto our rimmer. Okay. You know, in a typical cartoon fashion, Wiley Coyote. Why is that not working? Right, and okay. It's yeah. going to fall on him. Um, but they realised that, hang on, he's a hologram. It's not really going to work. That was going to be the original ending, which right, they okay. did actually shoot. But yeah, that's why you get the actual uh, scroll at the end as the ending. It's, it's the alternate ending that they decided to settle on. Right, okay. The final scene starts, basically you've got the Dimension ship, that flies away, and then you see on the screen in the Star Wars-style text, like we got at the beginning of Series 3, was it? Yep. Um, it says, in the decades that followed, Ace Rimmer searched countless realities and met thousands of different Arnold Rimmers. However, he never encountered an Arnold Rimmer as deeply sad and as worthless as the one he had met aboard Red Dwarf. His impossible search continues. And then it then plays out with the Hammond music of the Red Dwarf theme, uh, which is quite nice. Different. Yeah. One of the... Uh, 
websites I was on actually said um, this is the first time that they messed with the end credits. Um, but if you remember rightly, they did it in Waiting for God. Yeah, you know, that's right. The, the music kept pausing for Rimmer to yell, it's a garbage pod. It's a smegging garbage pod. So, yeah, yeah it's um, not the first time they messed with it, but, yeah, first, first time they've done it for a while. Yeah, and first time they've entirely done the back end. So totally yes, music, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just spotted something else, actually. You know, um, it says here, uh, in the decades that followed, Ace Rimmer searched countless realities and met thousands of different Arnold Rimmers. Yeah. You know when, um, what's the... Stoke Me a Clipper, no? Yes. Stoke Me a Clipper. In that episode, we find out that the original Ace Rimmer died in the 165th or... 153rd 165th. reality. I think it is 165th, isn't it? He died yeah. in the 165th reality. And so technically he's only met at most, at most 165 rimmers before it changed to another Ace Rimmer. Um, okay, yeah. But Ace Rimmer is Ace Rimmer. Even when our Rimmer becomes Ace Rimmer, he's then Ace Rimmer. So that's kind of cloudy. He's not really, though, is he? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, picky. <laughs> anyway, that's the episode review done. And now for the scores. Me, personally, I give this 10 out of 10. It's it's up there in my top, what, two, three Red Dwarf episodes. I think it's fantastic. I think it flows perfect. I'm a big Ace Rimmer fan. I love his character. I love the writing. I love the cheesy lines. I just couldn't find any faults with Well, okay, I found a few faults with it. But <laughs> all in all, I think it's a brilliant episode, 10 out of 10. Uh, what about you, Anthony? Yeah, a fantastic episode. I was going to go with an 8 but I've upped it one just for the um, fishing scene. Right. You know, with him going fishing. So yeah, it's such yeah. a fantastic scene, just that one. So I've gone for a 9 out of 10. Okay, um, fantastic. And finally, Nick? I've gone for an 8 out of 10, keeping it low like I do. Uh, I really like this episode. There wasn't much wrong with it, but I don't know. 8 out of 10. Okay, fair enough. Next section's What's Going Down in Groovestown after a quick advertisement from the Anomaly podcast. He is starting to quote Star Wars. And, and he does it in character. Like he quoted Luke Skywalker recently when my uh, SUV broke down in the Target parking lot. Oh, no. And it was such a pain in the rear to fix it. And David had to have it towed because, I mean, he's a pretty good mechanic, but he couldn't fix this problem. Aww. Not in the parking lot. So, But later on our way home, we were just so exhausted. It was like 9 o'clock at night and we're on our way home after him crawling around under this SUV in the parking lot and getting his nice business clothes was all oily and everything. He still retained the humor enough to turn to me halfway home and say, Uncle Owen, this R2 unit has a bad motivator. And I said, uh, hey, what are you trying to push on me? You know, you just earned your geek cred right there. That's by a little quoting bit Star Wars. Cred. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he just laughed. What would have been really funny is if while he was working on it, you should have been like, would it help if I got out and pushed? <laughs> <laughs> I could have, but at that moment, probably not a good idea. Not a good idea. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com.
right, dudes? What's going down in Groovetown, then? Right, Groovetown. Well, uh, do you want to make a start, Anthony? Yeah, there's um, there's not a lot to announce as regards new uh, news. Um, the Red Dwarf Soundboard app is now available for the iPhone and iPod Touch. Or the iThingy, um, if you want to call it that. <laughs> iThingy, if yeah. you're a Trekkie geek fan. Um, yeah, it's um, it, that's available now. We we received an email from David Williams telling us about it as well. That's correct. Yeah. Um, uh, it's on the official site and everything. Um, we've been we've, we've known about it a while coming out, uh, but yeah, that's ready now. Uh, Series eight is also now eventually in the UK iTunes uh, after being beaten by the US iTunes store, who, if you remember, released all of the Red Dwarf series in one go the other week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've now got all episodes up um, except for Back to Earth. Um, there's an interesting piece on the official Red Dwarf site, uh, dated 1st of January, which looks back at the Back to Earth specials. It looks at what it's, at, what it's actually done for Red Dwarf. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, it acts as a reset button for the franchise, etc., and how it handles cliffhangers and, you know, what Red Dwarf has done in the past as regards tri- uh, cliffhangers. Uh, quite an interesting article. I sat, um, read through that one and, uh, yeah, really interested. They've also done a detailed look back at 2009 from a Red Dwarf point of view. So basically, step by step from January last year, going through and basically we've had a good year as Red Dwarf fans. It's been a fantastic year. Yeah, so, sure. uh, yeah. Yeah, there's been no no new news as such, but uh, just a couple of articles that I thought uh, are worth checking out on the um, uh, reddwarf.co.uk. Cool, very good. Matt, who you mentioned earlier about who pulled out that it wasn't actually Peter Jackson, it was Paul Jackson, the original producer, um, sent in quite a long email. I know you refer to quite... It's only recently you've gone from the VHSs to the DVDs, isn't it? And, and well, I... Yeah, I keep saying that um, I can't remember seeing that model shot before and oh, I, that must have been done for the remastered and slotted in. I, I thought that what we'd got on the DVDs, um, I've always said I've not known for sure, but I'd always assumed, I, some of the shots I can't remember seeing before. Yeah. And so I've assumed that it's uh, some of the effects that were done for the remastered have been slotted in and what we've actually got is... Um, it, it is like not quite the full remastered episodes, but uh, you know, like an yeah. like an amalgamation of the uh, of the two, the originally aired and the uh, remastered. Yeah, um, but yeah, Matt actually went on just to say that series one through to six is actually as it was aired. Um, so uh, by that record, I'm going to have to dig the VHS out and look because some of these shots I cannot remember seeing. Mm. But yeah, he says uh, series one to six. What you see is on the, on the DVD is what was originally transmitted. Yeah. So, um, and then yeah, mentions I'm, that um, the remaster were done in the body snatchers uh, set, which did have the remastered. Which, to be honest, I didn't really like. I just seen that first opening scene in the end where you've got I don't know. It just looked really bad. Scutters running they, around and. Nacy, I've not actually watched them, um, but I have heard about some of the scenes that were cut, some of the dialogue that was cut to add this special effect in and. Now, it's uh, some of its classic lines that have been dropped. Oh, dear. Okay, excellent. Just uh, a welcome to a couple of the new members, uh, Tetsuo, Mamul, and Papas Meg. Welcome to the forum. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Papas Meg has been really entertaining. You've seen some of his postings, haven't you? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, his avatar image is uh, Papa Smurf with a hologram H on his head. 
and he goes on all of his writing is in blue and right, he goes yeah. on to explain that he's only three apples high yeah. <laughs> it's a character that's, that's joined up to the forum and yeah it's been so far you've been uh, really entertaining yeah agreed <laughs> welcome to the parrot spa the place you can drink a curry flavored tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Right, Parrot's Bar. Well, it's been Christmas. Hope you've all had a very good Christmas and a good New Year. We enjoyed having our extra week off. To be honest, we would have been recording somewhere in the midst of Christmas. And to be honest, it was very, very blurry for me. So I'm pretty glad that we didn't record during then because it would have just been a mess. It really would have been. Um, Christmas TV, same old typical Christmas TV. There were there were a couple of good things mm. on. Just looking at the notes here, Dear the Triffids, you enjoyed that, didn't you, Anthony? I I watched the first episode, right. and I was very wary of where it was going. Okay, and I thought it's it's you know it's a <laughs> every single post that I've made on the internet about it, I've used the words uh, post apocalyptic. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's basically it's a post apocalyptic uh, vision of the future and um all of a sudden we've got gangs of humans. There's the government gang and there's this gang that's um you know, bullying others and murdering and stealing and pillaging basically and it's I thought to myself it's been it's a path that's well trodden and I've yeah, yeah. expressed concern that I hope it's not going to go this well trodden road yeah. and I think it was Megster Mary on uh, Twitter that uh, got in touch with me sent me a tweet back saying um, I don't mean to sound rude but David Triffids is actually one of the people that laid the uh, sub base for this road you know they, they were one of the uh, first people to actually do this people yeah. split into groups and I thought well yeah fair enough so I gave it I, I gave it some um, I did actually think well actually why should they change because so many others have walked the same path yeah yeah um, so I watched the second one and as it was uh, with the second one it didn't concentrate on the different gangs of people and that, it let me really enjoy the whole episode uh, not 100% sure about the ending for it but yeah I really really enjoyed it but I know a lot of people didn't well I didn't enjoy it but I know why I mean I had this discussion at work today when I was watching it all I could think was 28 days later it starts off the same guy in a hospital blinded well not blinded but basically wakes up um, and he's different to everybody else everybody else is don't forget this this did it first no, it's uh, I, I agree I agree I, well and to be honest, I'd never watched the original one, and it was a discussion in the office today. Everybody was giving it, well, 28 days bit later, was actually influenced, or I should say, it got its ideas from the original I'll tell one. you one thing I did like about it is um, I, I can't, I haven't got much memory of these. The, there's the BBC version, 1981 version. That's right, yeah. And, and there's, the, there's the movie version as well, and yeah. what have you. I've not read the book, um, although I now intend to go out and actually read it, you know, get around to it. it's one of the things that's it's on the long list of things i should have done by now yeah uh, and the the only one i can really remember is the 80s bbc version and i've got very few memories of that yeah. but one thing i can remember is just how ropey the triffids look yeah yeah and what i yeah. liked about this one is it kept the ropey look and yeah, to me it, did, it, yeah. it was the triffids you know they uh it brought a big smile to my face. I thought, oh, brilliant. They've not tried to jazz them up with, um, by turning them into some sort of a swamp thing type monster, you yeah, know. Yeah. 
So yeah, really, really pleased. Really, overall, I was. Uh, it it was probably my uh, the favourite thing I've watched over Christmas. Um, that um, was actually bro- favourite broadcast program over the Christmas period. I would guess. I didn't think it was that bad. I just thought that three hours were a little bit excessive for what actually happened. It could have been trimmed down to maybe two hours, maybe an hour and a half, cut out the whole Eddie Izzard type stuff. I don't think that was really needed. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then it would have been quite good. But anyway, Doctor Who, um, the the end of David Tennant. I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to. I always watch the Doctor Who episodes and like, it's all right. But I I enjoyed it, you know. I've gone opposite way. I, I know most people seem to like it, but I can't help feeling that people are kidding themselves as to how good it was because it is the last David no, Tennant. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, I, I, I watched it and it just, the episode itself, the two both parties, um, the first part was okay. I didn't have a problem with, um, how much are we going into spoilers here? Because I know, yeah. I know there's a, in Australia it hasn't been aired ah, yet. I'm right, not sure yes. about America. Right, I'm not going to go into spoilers. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone. But there were certain aspects of it that in the first one I didn't have a problem with that some people were reporting they had a problem with yeah. and what have you. Uh, but not everything was explained. Right. There's a, there's a woman in the episode and it's hinted at but doesn't tell you exactly who she is. That's right, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, Take it, you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, this. I know exactly who you're talking about. If if you don't, you need to watch it again. But yeah, there's 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 a look between her and the doctor, uh, but it doesn't actually explain anything about who she is, how she did what she did. Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, but the thing that really ruined it for me is the final twenty minutes. I quite liked that. I mean, again, Lots. we can't go into spoilers. But. We can't go into spoilers. There was there was one scene set. Uh, it looked like it was under a dark stairwell or something near near a block of flats. That's right. Yeah. All right. I enjoyed that particular scene. Right. right. Everything else um, could have been done without the. Um, there was. Uh, it's not going to ruin it for anyone because it, instantly you see it straight away. There's a Star Wars cantina bar scene. That's right. Yeah. All right. That. What was that about? <laughs> really? Yeah, that was a and, little bit strange. Yeah, it was it was dragged out for too long. Um, a, you know, all you needed to see was one or two of the um, one or two of those scenes. The the one under the dark stairs, and the very final one, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's that's all you needed to see, and it was dragged out for twenty minutes. All of that, and I thought to myself, this is really. You know, and I could I could see where they're coming from in one sense. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm not gonna. And this is something else as well. I keep calling David Tennant Neil Tennant. <laughs> sort of like I don't know where where it's coming from, but I keep in the same way as I keep calling Paul Jackson Peter Jackson. I've been I keep writing on internet about Neil Tennant's departure as the Doctor. People go, don't you mean David? Um, yes, I do. <laughs> but. Right, we've seen. Have you seen the trailer for Matt Smith? No. Right, it's. Uh, I, I've not posted it on the forum yet. I'm going to have to get it up and posted on the forum. The yeah. trailer for the new Doctor, and yeah. I've got high hopes for the new Doctor. Okay. Um, now, I'm probably going to be corrected here. I am not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're not Red Dwarf experts. I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely not a Doctor Who expert. I I enjoy watching the show. Um, I enjoy listening and finding out about. 
uh, aspects of the original series and I plan to go on to a bit of a trek, you know, working through some of them, watching some of them, uh, probably with the Cadmium 2 uh, podcast, yeah. working my way through them parallel with it. But basically, from what I've heard, um, they were going to go with an older doctor back to the um, the original, you know, like Harknell and what have you. Yeah. And the the original plan was to go with an older doctor, but they heard good things about Matt Smith. And so they asked him to come in and um, audition. And they liked his audition so much that it just changed their minds and they've gone for this young doctor again. Okay. And so I've got I've got high hopes. I really do think he's going to bring a lot. And what we've seen in the trailer, I mean, it's only a couple of minutes long, the trailer, but you see him shooting a gun. Uh, I think he punches a Dalek in the face. <laughs> Rather awkwardly, does it? You know, lunges and punches a Dalek. And it looks like he's going to be a totally, totally different doctor. And that's what I like. A regeneration needs to bring a different person almost you know, he's got all the memories of the previous, but he's a totally different personality. Right, okay. Cool. And, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to with uh, Matt Smith. Excellent. Um, oh, just a, just a quick one. Uh, we got an email through from Rick this morning um, just saying thank you very much for the plug that we put on the last episode. Uh, so thank you very much, Rick. He's a nice bloke, Rick. is very nice bloke. Very good. Podcast of the week this week. Sorry, Rick, we can't have you two weeks in a row. <laughs> this week, it's the Anomaly podcast. We had the little trailer earlier, and Anthony's just going to give you a little bit more about it. This week, I'm going with the Anomaly podcast, which is um, it's another one that's um, spawned from the uh, Treks in Sci-Fi uh, forum community. Okay. And so, uh, basically, it's Jen and Angela uh, do the Anomaly podcast, and Jen and Angela are big friends with Rick Moyer from last week, the big Trek... Uh, big friends of Rico from the Treks in Sci-Fi, uh, big friends with Meds from Waffle On Podcast, uh, Trekkie Geek from uh, the Happy Times. Uh, basically, it's, it's, this, it's this community that I've come into, and this is one of the podcasts I've discovered. Okay. Um, it's basically, it's a geek talk podcast right. uh, with one difference, which is it's basically it's hosted by Jen and Angela, who are both female. And so what you get is the female perspective and it's not, uh, I mean, if you got my wife's perspective on geeky stuff, he wouldn't want to hear what she thought of uh, Star Wars or Avatar or Lord of the Rings or yeah, Star yeah, Trek yeah. or whatever. Now, these are fans. They are fangirls, and that's the difference. And so what you get is uh, it's a very, very funny, very, very entertaining uh, conversation goes in depth into things they're interested in right. and it doesn't matter if it's lord of the rings star wars star trek anything like that uh, they talk tv movies collectibles uh, even costuming they do a lot of uh, period costume period dress costuming and uh, involved with things like that with the husbands and kids and what have you with the families and yeah it's really 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 entertaining um different from anything else that I've uh, I've listened to because you are getting a female fangirl the, the fangirl view of things sure yeah uh, you might have come across Jen before on the um, Rick Moyer's uh, Scrooge audio drama that he did. Okay. Uh, she also plays one of the characters in the Star Wars uh, In the Shadows audio drama. Okay. And she's got a, I think they're doing a, a I think Jen's joining up with uh, Meds to do a special Anomaly Waffle On episode as well soon. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, 
yeah, it's really, really coming together. In fact, Meds and Jen, I think they're starting to do a, uh, in the same way as we've got Fiction Shed working on audio dramas. Yeah. Um, they're looking at, uh, they've already worked on some audio dramas and done scripts for some, been involved in the writing um, for Star Wars in the Shadows Excellent. and what have okay. you. They're actually going off and doing their own thing now uh, together. Um, so yeah really 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 good uh, they've got their own little forum community going as well now at the Anomaly which I'm enjoying spending time over there um, so yeah if you check that one out it's um, anomalypodcast.com or if you search for Anomaly on iTunes Anomaly is spelled with one L A-N-O-M-A-L-Y and you'll find that one brilliant okay That's the end of this episode. If you want to pop into the forum, it's reddwarfforum.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash reddwarfforum. And finally, if you want to send in any audio clips or just an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. Right, well, over to Nick, just lead us out. Hey, next one we're doing is called Meltdown, so see you then. Yep, see you then. Bye.